This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 448 with Thajal Patel. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 448. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Cosmetology. Do you have a kiddo who suffers from eczema? You are going to want to check out the Cosmetology Lotion Bar. So to get started with Cosmetology and get 15% off your first order, go to cosmetology.com and use the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's cosmetology, K-O-S-M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y.com, code SHAMELESS. Mamas, before we dive in with Thajel, I just want to let you know a little behind the scenes that we recorded this episode a few weeks ago. And at that time, we were really talking through this lens of living in the crisis of COVID. And now we're living through a lens of being in the crisis of COVID plus being in the crisis of supporting Black lives and everything that has come with this current week of protests and deaths and everything that is unfolding in front of us and that has brought on just so many really huge hardships for so many people. And some of those hardships have been lifelong hardships and some of them were just unraveling and unfolding right now. And so what I want to say about this is that my hope in presenting this episode at this time is that for those of you that have been struggling during this time, for whatever reason, because there's been so many layers of 2020, right? That it's very likely that your children are also suffering, 
because of the same state of affairs in the world and also because of how impacted you are by the state of affairs in this world. And so I want this episode to be a time for you to look at how can you help your children perhaps use meditation and meditative practices to dial into their nervous system and to do little simple things every single day to help yourself be centered and help yourself refocus, especially when you are in really hard and painful moments. But I also think that as Thajil beautifully points out that a lot of the stuff that we talk about around kids also can be integrated with adults and also help adults learn how to integrate some mindfulness, quick, simple mindfulness habits that can really be supportive during high stress times, which we're definitely living in right now. So I hope that this is helpful for wherever you are right now in terms of wanting to be supportive of black lives, whether you are a black shameless mom, whether you are you know, living in the land of stress and trauma from COVID. I know there's so many things right now, so many ways that we are suffering. And so I'm hoping that this will be helpful. And Thajal's amazing. And I'm really, really excited to introduce you to her. Thajal V. Patel is a stressed out mama's secret weapon. She's a former divorce attorney turned mindfulness and meditation expert for moms and kids. She's also the host of the Time in Talks podcast and the author of Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Stay Present, Improve Concentration, and Manage Difficult Emotions. It is Thajal's mission to support moms in their journey to become mindful parents and raise the first generation of mindful children too. Named a well-being warrior in the Huffington Post, Thajal's soulful wisdom reaches moms globally through her signature online courses, the Mindfulness Kids Masterclass, Mindful Mama Experience, and her seven-day stress detox. Also, she reaches moms through her inspiring podcasts, through her booming Instagram community, and through motivating Tejel TV episodes, as well as powerful live events and laser sharp coaching. She has her hands in a few things. <laughs> so her fun and practical ways infuse Ayurveda, mindfulness and meditation every day and make her a go-to resource for modern moms seeking to raise calm, confident, and compassionate children. This was a super fun interview. I'm really excited for you to hear how you can integrate meditation into your children's lives in really simple ways. If you're like me, sometimes you make these things like a way bigger deal than they need to be and you make things harder than they need to be. And Thajal has so many great tips to make this really simple and fun for your children. So listen in to hear Thajal share how she went from divorce attorney to children's meditation expert, how her own childhood anxiety has inspired and informed her work, her strong belief and bold claim that kids can meditate even as young as age three, how to help kids start meditating in a way that's appropriate for them, and broken down into three different phases, simple ideas and practical practices for helping kids meditate to cope with a range of emotions, how to teach kids to meditate in just one to three minutes a day, why it's critical for our children to experience and feel unhappiness, how to engage and prompt children who were resistant to meditation, and how to use her book in order to help our kids integrate meditation in fun and simple ways into their everyday life. This was a really awesome conversation. You're gonna love Thajal. You're gonna be really excited about her tools. I immediately went and ordered her book the second we were done with this interview, and I want you to do the same. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Thajal to the Shameless Mom Academy. Thajal, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's such a pleasure to be here. This will be fun. So we, I always have to tell people context around how we connected. So we connected through a past guest of the show, Hitha Palapu. And 
Hitha is probably the person I follow online who makes the most recommendations per day. And also everything she recommends is amazing. So when she recommended you as a potential great guest, I immediately went and started the cyber stalking. I think she's probably the smartest person that I've like yet come across. She knows so much about so much. It's amazing. Yes. I'm totally in awe. So thank you for being here today. I want to let our guests know that we are recording this. Now I think it can be presumed that we're recording during COVID for like the last two months. I feel like I need to always preface every conversation with that. But now we're deep enough into this that it can just be assumed like we feel like we've lived in this world forever and it's never going to end. This is our new reality, right? Now it's like officially post, you know, life pre-COVID, life post-COVID. We're just life post-COVID now. So totally. And tell us you are home with two children right now. So tell us your kid situation, ages and how you're coping. Yeah. So I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. And this was very interesting because I had a book launch right in the smack dab of COVID. So it was interesting because I had book tours and book events and book signings and all these different things planned, which I had to pivot. And I really have to say that as I was sharing with you, Sarah, I definitely in the beginning was not feeling like a very present parent. And I would tell my son, my older son, my younger one didn't even realize, I mean, when you look at him, he's only one, his life didn't change. So, but my five-year-old, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I'm working all the time. This is not what you expected. So it was really, really tough in the beginning to balance everything. And I can't even say that I was balancing it well. I was just working a lot more and um, there was definitely a lot more TV than I'd ever (laughs) ever had him watch. But now it's definitely well balancing out. We are, you know, everything with work is kind of slowing down and we're enjoying each other's company and we're slowing down and being just simple things with the family, which has been great. Yeah. So your book, Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Stay Present, Improve Concentration and Manage Difficult Emotions. You said it launched right in the middle of all this. So when did it launch? And then I want to know how you shifted and pivoted things, because I've seen a few people having to shift and pivot book launches. And I'm imagining it's a little bit soul crushing to have to do that because this is not something you plan lightly, like you plan for a long time leading up to this. Yes. You know, it's interesting because today was the day I was officially writing the letters that I've been dragging my feet to write the letters to all my vendors to be like, okay, I have to cancel the event because I had them in May and I postponed them later to the year. And so that's initially what I did to pivot. I said, okay, I have all these events in May and June and July. I was going to push them back later in the year. And so that's what I did in March. But it seems like now what we are almost June doesn't really seem like live events is really going to be something that's going to happen in 2020. 20. Right. So what for me, basically, I did an online event, but it actually ended up being more of a meditation training because the book has 40 activities. And my specialty is really helping parents understand how to infuse these practices into your children's life, when to use the right tools, how to make it a consistent practice. So I really kind of pivoted into a training, which was a silver lining because so many moms are like, this was so helpful. Like I feel confident now how to do this, which is A little bit different than the content that I had for like a live event, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it it actually kind of opened up more parents who couldn't come to that event is like, when are you doing the next Zoom training? I want to sign up. So that's been amazing. We've opened that up. I've been doing these Zoom trainings. And then I just ended up having to cancel. I'm canceling all my live events for this year. So I've watched. Do you follow Glennon Doyle? 
Yes. So I watched her pivot all of her stuff as well. Um, and, and people who listen to my show know that I had to change my annual live event, Shameless Mom Con. We ended up taking virtual and moving it from a two-day event to a four-week event. And I will say that it's so, when you have to make these big changes, it feels so unfair and like such a loss and there's a grieving process. But then to your point, there are these gifts that come out of it where you're like, well, now these things are accessible in new ways to different people or to more people. And you're connecting in ways and over periods of time where you maybe wouldn't have otherwise been able to connect. And the content is like even more desperately needed, it seems. And I'm wondering if you felt that some of that as well. Okay, if there's a silver lining in this is that this exactly what you said, parents were actively seeking, like, how do I find tools to help my children manage their emotions, anxiety, helping them stay focused. And that's like my tagline. And that the tools in this book are exactly what was coming up for us as parents who are homeschooling or with their children, or even for us, like, how do we manage these big emotions that we're experiencing in this time of uncertainty and chaos? So it was very timely in that manner. And the other aspect is the time aspect that our children are home. So the way that I teach it, it's like, there's no really better time than right now to have a book like this, because you have the time available because your children are home, and they don't have any other activities that you can trickle this practice into their life. And so in that way, I do look at it as a blessing. And I do see that there was a synchronicity in that. Yeah, definitely. I think and these are the things we have to be looking for, right? This is what keeps us moving forward. It's like finding the silver linings and practicing gratitude and all those things. Yes. So I know you're on a mission to help moms raise calm, confident, and compassionate children, which is a tall order and also a really amazing mission. Can you talk about what inspired or continues to inspire your work? I'm sure there's I'm sure there's maybe something that initially inspired this movement, but I'm sure that that's evolved over time as well. Yeah. So for me, I was a child who experienced anxiety, but obviously it was not diagnosed. It was just something that I lived with. And it was something that never really went away. And for me, when I was in my mid-20s, I was a divorce attorney and I worked with clients who pretty much had children because I did all out-of-court divorce resolutions. So something called collaborative divorce and mediation. And so it was very interesting dynamic because having the husband and wife in front of me, a lot of times, you know, we would talk about their children in a more intimate way than usual in a typically litigated, you know, situation. And many of them opened up about how their children were being diagnosed with anxiety and these types of situations that could have been triggered because of the divorce or many other reasons, but exasperated by the divorce. And when they were explaining these things to me, it very much resonated with the anxiety that I experienced as a child. And I was like, that's what I had as a child. And so for me, at that period in my life, in my mid-20s, I was also personally experiencing this existential, spiritual, emotional crisis, and I was experiencing panic attacks again, and anxiety, that anxiety never really went away. And so in my personal life, I was going to seek these holistic modalities of yoga and meditation and mindfulness, and it was for the first time in my life that I experienced resilience in the sense that I was experiencing calm and being able to feel connected to myself and having this intimate relationship of understanding my emotions and how to ride through stress and anxiety. And so a lot of it stemmed from my own personal journey of 
yes, healing my inner child, but also wanting children to experience this and have these tools at a young age because I'm a researcher. So I was researching the stats on childhood anxiety and stress and depression. And so these staggering facts is that children need these tools. And now, right, post-COVID, we really need to recognize that children and ourselves really need the tools to be able to embody resilience. And meditation has been such a powerful tool in order for me personally, but in my 10 years of teaching children, it's been really transformational to see how this has impacted children and how they can learn this at a young age and it can be carried through with them for the rest of their life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this. So I also learned as an adult that I had had anxiety since I was a really young child. And in many ways, it was a big relief to be able to like kind of put a label on something and be like, oh, that's what this thing is. It's not just that I'm weird and neurotic. And now that encompasses so much of how I work with moms and women and how I talk about mindset and, you know, growing into your best version of yourself and really thriving in your gifts and owning the things that are hard about your past and hard about your personality type and leveraging that in ways that give you power. Um, so I love that you did the same thing that you looked at like, oh, this is a thing that's been with me for all my life. And I've been learning and how to cope and learning these different tools. And now I can use that to support other children. And oh my gosh, what a huge gift and that you can give to your kids, but that you can give to all sorts of other children who can learn how to integrate coping skills at such a younger age. Like I started when I was like 38 being able to, (laughs) that's like 30 years too late. (laughs) And like, Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Right? Like situations like this, our children are growing up with COVID. Yeah. So it's like life is showing them at a very young age that life is unpredictable. Things that you don't want are going to happen. And, you know, up until now, we've kind of been generation 
maybe multiple generations that we have been in the pursuit of happiness, that we're constantly happiness seeking outside of us. And in this pursuit, we've forgotten that it's also a necessary and integral part of life to know how to handle unhappiness, how to handle the natural and necessary emotions of you know, worrying, disappointment, even anxiety. This is a natural, you know, experience that we all have. And so giving our children and ourselves the ability to not buckle under that pressure, but to thrive and understand this is when my body, the energy is, you know, the emotions and the energy is out of tune. And this is the right tools that I need like the right breathing exercise, the right meditation, the right affirmation that's going to help me move through this. Yeah, absolutely. So you in your decade of experiencing and teaching children yoga and meditation and mindfulness, kids from the ages of three to eight, which I think is amazing, you make this bold statement that kids can meditate. And I think that many of us would think like, you know, maybe I need to wait till my child's a little older or till my child has some other skills first, like could sit still. And so can you talk about this claim and tell us why you believe this so emphatically? Yeah. So one of the most the interesting things for me is that as I've been teaching children, it's been a really beautiful experience that a natural kind of curriculum has been kind of developed just by me teaching. And what I've learned by teaching children is that, you know, when you're teaching children the ABCs, for example, it doesn't start by them reading books right away. It has a foundation. Like when they're little, you start by singing songs. Then, you know, they learn one, like one of the letters or they learn a few letters and sight words and words. And, you know, they read sentences and then they build up. It takes 12 years of mastery in order to get a good foundation of the English language and to be able to speak and write it. And so when I took it in that mentality is that children who are young, their first language of learning is play through songs and stories. And so when I was building these practices with children, such as deep breathing or learning to sit and focus, focus one of the biggest misnomers is that, you know, when we t- teach our children, like pay attention, focus, concentrate. However, these skills are not innate. These skills need to be learned. And what I saw was over a period of time when I created pockets of time where they're meditating or they're sitting still, and I'll explain what that looks like. They were learning to sit still for longer periods of time. And so that it's kind of like a chick. What came first, the chicken or the egg? You want your child to focus and you're like, oh, my child can't meditate because they can't sit still and focus. But it's actually the practice of consistently bringing in, whether it's for three breaths or five breaths, it's not so much the the length of time, but it's the consistency of coming down and let's learn how to sit and, you know, let's learn how to tune into our breath through these different front ways or learn to use our body and move it in a certain way so that we're moving energy in a certain way. That's actually what teaches them focus and concentration and learning how to sit still. And so that's the first aspect of it. And then the second aspect of it is I think just in general, the big, a big misconception that we have about meditation, just even as grownups of where do we start and how does this actually look for us and for our children? And so what we typically think of with meditation is that you're sitting still, your eyes are closed, you're supposed to have no thoughts or clear your mind and just be completely still and, you know, completely focused. And so this is where the trouble happens because yes, the idea of like sitting still and learning how to slow down your thoughts is certainly, it's a category of what 
kind of meditation, what I what is called passive meditation. So the idea is not that you're going to clear out your thoughts, because just like our heart is designed to beat and our eyes are designed to see, the mind is a tool that is designed to think. So what we think of like, oh, we have to clear out all our thoughts. That's not going to happen because our mind has been designed so that thoughts can come in and out. The issue is, is that we're like, you know, why can't my mind shut down? Right now, our mind is much of a nuisance, right? Because like, it's kind of like driving a car. And every time you steer right, your car would move to the left. And say if like every time you try to steer to the left, your car goes to the right, it would be really stressful when you're trying to work your car, but it's not cooperating. And that's typically how our mind is right now. It feels like a nuisance because there's so many thoughts, we can't control it. It gets overwhelming, it creates anxiety. And that's why we're like, let's just shut it off. And that's really not what we want to do. So it's kind of like our mind right now is feels like it's like rush hour traffic on a Friday night. And then you want to try to move it like meditation helps you move it to 2am traffic on a Tuesday night. So it's like there's cars on the road. So there's thoughts. However, there's space between the thoughts. So you're just trying to like ease it up. That is such a great visual, by the way. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm all about analogies. (laughs) That makes so much sense to like how my mind works in meditation. Yes. It's like you want to have 2 a.m. traffic on a Tuesday night. So there's going to be cars, there's going to be thoughts, but you're slowing it down. And so this is what like the realm of passive meditation is what I refer to as the CrossFit of meditation. And so it's like you would never tell somebody who's never worked out a day in their life, like, you know what, I'm going to throw you into a CrossFit class. Right. Because what's going to happen to them, right? They're going to be, it's going to be too difficult for them. It's going to be, they might give up even before they actually experience the benefits, they have to work up to the CrossFit. And that's the same thing with adults and for children. This is not where we start. This is where they're going to build up to. So when we talked about the ABCs, this is like 12th grade, okay? Not that it's going to take 12 years. It's just that that's like where you're building to. So the starting point is what's called the category of active meditation. Now, active meditation are meditations that have mental anchors that are placed into the meditation. So it gives your mind something to focus on. You're never going to beat the mind at the mind's game in the sense that if you've never meditated before or learned to slow down your thoughts, telling it to slow down or focusing on your mind is only going to exasperate it. So with active meditations, like when I teach children breathing, for example, it's that they're connecting their body or they're moving their body with a breath. So like there's an exercise in my book called Windy Windmill, and that's the breath for like anxiety or when there's too much anxious uh, thoughts. And the breath is you breathe in through your nose and then you breathe out through your mouth. But rather than just telling your children to do that, what they do is they take their fingers in front of their mouth and they circle it around each other like as if it's like a windmill. So that's moving. So every time they inhale, then they exhale, their fingers move as they blow out. So as they feel their breath. So that's, for example, like how you make breathing tangible and active for children. It's they're using their body. So when your mind is focusing on your body, it's going to immediately start slowing down. And when you start slowing down your breath, your mind starts to follow. So it's basically teaching you to reset your nervous system by focusing on your body, and then your mind will follow. And that's basically how you start with children and grownups. And so the way with children is that you start with your eyes open, and they're moving their body. The second phase is the eyes are closed, and they're still moving their body. And the third phase is 
eyes closed, and then you stop moving and your hand, your body's still. So it's like a progression, you know, and how you build it for kids. And it works really, really well because children naturally have movement and they can learn how to mindfully move their body and connect it to their breath to learn how to reset their nervous system. And they're not even realizing that's what they're learning to do. Oh my gosh, I love this. I did, so I've talked about this on the show before. I, when my son was younger, we still do it from time to time, but he doesn't need it as much. He went through phases of having just really big emotions, especially before school. And there would be times where he couldn't calm himself down and we got in the habit of doing deep breaths together. And it was interesting. He and I used to do this and he would sit on my lap and we would take deep breaths. And there was times we were sitting in the parking lot at school in the middle of the sidewalk crying and doing taking deep breaths but he did it one day with his teacher and his teacher had him do it he was standing she was on her knees and she used his arms and she was holding both of his hands and every time he would take a big inhale she would lift his arms up and then on the exhale she would move his arms down and I had never considered incorporating movement into breathing I had just been like come sit on my lap and I'll snuggle you while we take deep breaths together and it was so interesting to watch his body re like I could see him physically relaxing as his arms were going up and down with his breath. And I was like, this is so like so amazing and powerful on a different level. Um, so then we started doing that. And so it is really interesting incorporate like having movement be a part of breath work and all of those things are all they're really, really beneficial for kids. And it got to the point with my son where he would be able to feel before he would get into this like full on meltdown tears he would be able to say in the moment of frustration, like, will you take deep breaths with me? And that, oh my gosh, I was like, I've won as a parent. <laughs> and I don't, you know, that doesn't happen every day. But I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad we've been doing this breath thing that I just kind of randomly made up out of desperation when he was like three, but it really made a big difference. Well, you're planting the seeds, right? Everything that at this young age, that's the big other big component of it is that we're planting these seeds. And yes, it's not going to be perfect every single time. However, each time that we practice it, it is getting embedded in them. And the really fascinating thing also I wanted to share, because I think that's amazing that, you know, I also do something that's like that, but that's actually rooted in the science of yoga and Ayurveda. So like, like moving your hands up and down and things like that. So one of the things I learned in my kundalini yoga and meditation training is that you, you always do the yoga before the meditation. And so yoga could be any sort of movement. So even if you're a grown up who struggles with like, I can't, every time I try to sit down, like my mind is racing or my body is fidgety. It's because it's not just your like trying to calm yourself. Emotions are energy in motion. So say if you felt angry or you're feeling anxious or you're feeling sad or depressed or lethargic, that means stress is simply just a sign that there's friction or that there's a blockage of energy within you. And so when you move, like you have to move the energy out in order to feel inner peace and to feel that calmness in order to feel like your nervous system can reset and feel calm. So that's a big component of my book and what I teach because I didn't want it to be like watered down versions of like tools to do. It's like rooted in the science of yoga and Ayurveda because there's different stress types and there's different movements that, that you can do with your body and your breath, different breaths that you do that will help you reset quicker. And so, you know, like, especially like anger, there should be movement. Like I have something call anger washing machine in the book, which is a kundalini exercise. That's actually what you're supposed to do to cool your body down when there's anger or when there's frustration um, to move that energy so that then you can settle down and you can feel calm. So that's really, I just wanted to share that because I think it's fascinating. 
I love that. And I'm so glad you brought up the point around anger because I know that with my son in this breathing, we would have to like get through, when we first started doing this, we would have to get through like so many phases of the emotion before he would be ready to take the breaths. And I was like, so anytime we would start to go into like meltdown mode, I was like, oh, here we go. And I know that the breathing will work, but it won't work until we get to the certain phase. <laughs> I was just like, oh, we're never going to get there. And so I love the idea of being, and when he's in the phase of being actively anger, or actively angry for me to be like, do you want to take deep breaths? Like he, no, <laughs> no, yes, not even a little bit. And which is relatable. Like when I'm super angry, I'm not like, oh, I'm just going to like go relax for a minute. <laughs> no, like you are like actively processing. And so I love that you bring up this point that kids can do something with that energy. Cause I know if I were to say to my son in the middle of being super frustrated with something, do you want to take deep breaths with me? He would just be more upset <laughs> with my idea. Yes. And that's just the biological nature of how we're wired. So I'm very glad that you brought that up. You have to move, whether you're a child or you're grown up, right. you have to move the energy out of your system in order to then be able to reset and to move through it. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. This episode is supported by Cosmetology. You all are just loving the Cosmetology lotion bars. I keep hearing from you and I'm so glad. So Cosmetology is a product line created by Dr. Janice Covey, a mom who was frustrated when her daughter was diagnosed with eczema at just three months old. And she immediately noticed a lack of effective and affordable organic products on the market. So she is a compounding pharmacist and decided to make her own product line, which I think is awesome. And I'm like jealous. I wish I had that skill set, like something that powerful and cool. And one of the things she created is this lotion bar. So the lotion bar looks like a stick of deodorant. And it goes on just like a stick of deodorant, but it's actually lotion, not deodorant. And you can use this for children for eczema. And it's amazing. And we've actually been using it for Vinny. So Vinny has dry skin in multiple ways, shapes, and forms. And he has since he was teeny, teeny, tiny. And we've been using this. And I will tell you, it's typically a battle to get lotion on this kid. And he often needs it. Like he needs it to prevent his skin from being really, really cranky which leads to him being really cranky. And the lotion bar has been a really, really fantastic solution because he doesn't like lotion. He doesn't like it that it's slippery and it's wet and it's cold and like all the things. And so the lotion bar really takes all that out. It's like totally mess free. He can put it on himself. It's not cold when it's applied because it's not in the form of lotion. It's in the form of a solid. Also, you can take it, grab it on, take it on the go because you can fly with it because it's just solid. So it's really, really fantastic. Also, all the ingredients are free of hazardous preservatives and chemicals like phthalates, parabens, formaldehyde, and petroleum, which are typically used in lotions. So I want you to check out Cosmetology. They have other products as well in their product line, and they have scented and unscented options. Their scented options are all infused with lovely essential oils. I know you're going to find stuff that you love, and I really want you to be able to clear up your kid's cranky skin. So Cosmetology is offering our listeners 15% off your first order when you go to cosmetology.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's cosmetology.com. That's K-O-S-M-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y. Notice the K at the beginning, not a C. So cosmetology with a K and use the promo code shameless at checkout to get 15% off your first order. So can parents who don't meditate help children learn to meditate or do parents have to embrace this? Which I, I mean, let's, I'm in an ideal world, like let's just all be meditators who meditate ourselves and teach our children to meditate. But can we teach, especially if we have a child who maybe needs some, who could benefit from some work around, you know, support around emotions 
but parents might not have any sort of meditation practice on board. Can, can we teach our kids to do that if we're not doing it ourselves? Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, absolutely. I, and I've seen it happen. So I'm talking from experience. I'm not just saying that. So I think one of the important things of understanding like how this is possible for parents who don't do it, there's two prongs to this. The first is understanding what's the purpose of teaching them how to meditate. Like what's the purpose behind it? And there's two real reasons. The first is, is that like I explain like for kids and I explain to parents who have young children is that you want to make it before we know that meditation is good for us. We know that breathing is good for us. We know that mindfulness is good for us. However, how is it that some of us do it and then some of us don't? Because there's not that urgency that it's a necessity. It's like, oh, it's a luxury. Like, yeah, that's great. That sounds great. But I think more than ever right now, especially because of COVID, we're really faced with the idea that, you know, we do need coping mechanisms. Otherwise, we will, when situations like this that are completely out of our control will happen, we will buckle under the pressure. And so the first thing is that I teach is that just like you teach your children, you brush your teeth every day to keep the sugar bugs away. Just like you teach them they wash their body to keep yucky germs away. You teach them that you brush your brain every day by meditating and taking deep breaths to keep yucky thoughts away. And so the first thing that I teach, it, I teach parents, it has to be like, it's becoming part of their vocabulary. It's not like a one and done, like once a week type of thing. It's like you're plugging in your iPhone battery every single day to refuel. And that's what brushing your brain is. It's that even if you take th three deep breaths, it's like you're creating a, a pocket of time. It doesn't have to be the same time every single day. Sometimes it could be in the morning. Sometimes 
sometimes in the afternoon. Keep it flexible, but you have to like build this. We're brushing our brain every single day, whether it's three breaths or five breaths or one minute, it doesn't matter. It's just that you're planting that seed that you do it every day. So that's the first purpose of it. The second thing, and so basically for that, that's like creating like a pocket of time, like one to three minutes that you're creating this like a bonding time with your child. So you're making this a non-negotiable time. I also love that it's one to three minutes because I think most of us are like, oh, but I don't have an extra 30 minutes. No, it's one to three minutes. Kids don't need and they won't like we know this, like you don't need 30 minutes because when you're planting those seeds are there, it's like you just need to do like for especially like for my book, I made it so like you do one exercise and the exercise will not take you longer than three minutes to do. And then so the second aspect of it is kind of what you touched touched upon. It's teaching children that, you know, it's kind of like these stop, drop and breathe resets. Like when in the book, I say like whenever like a big feeling is visiting, like my son made this exercise up. Actually, it's like steer your ship. So anytime, like, say you're on sadness island because you're something happened or disappointment island, you have to recognize that you're on this island and then, you know, you can steer your ship to a different island. But like you said, it's kind of like, you know, in this heat of the moments, you're not going to be like, oh, let's sit down and meditate because that's not what happens in real life. That's not what... The meditation practice is like you're plugging your iPhone, you know, you're plugging your iPhone battery in every single day. Your meltdowns and the big emotions, I want you to think of it, it's kind of like, you know, it's like the, the alert on your iPhone that, hey, we have 10, you know, 10% left on your iPhone battery. At the point where you're getting depleted, you're getting disrupt, like your child's getting dysregulated. It takes a different skill set to be able to help them navigate. So it does take that connection. Like I see that you're feeling really angry or it looks like that you're feeling, you know, upset or like in the book of like, it seems like you're on sadness island or you're visiting happiness or, you know, you're visiting anger island. And then like, what would help you get on to peaceful island? You know, you have to, and that's where the movement comes in. There has to be some sort of energy movement out of their body. And then there'll be a point there will be like, okay, let's, would you like, you invite them, would you like to take some deep breaths and there's specific breaths like whether you're feeling anxious or you're feeling angry or you're feeling sad, there's a different breath to reset your nervous system so you can guide them through only at a certain point. So it takes a little bit of like a additional type of skill set to be able to do that. And another way I do explain this, and I just want to share it because for anybody who likes analogies, so you're brushing your brain is kind of like you would never tell your child that you only have to brush your teeth if you have chocolate or you eat sweet foods, like said no parent ever, right? Right. So you only... You don't just meditate in a moment of desperation. <laughs> yeah. So like that's what meditation is, that mental hygiene, just like that, you know, physical hygiene. It's just those daily pockets of time. And then what meltdowns are like your cavities. It's like those, I mean, meltdowns happen more often than cavities, but, right. but you have to be like the dentist there. You have to be like a skilled professional to help them ride through. A dentist wouldn't tell you when you have a cavity, just brush your teeth and it'll go away. You have to be empathetic. You have to connect with them. You have to, you know, there is that breathing and regulation aspect. And then there's the teachable moment, right? There is that, how do you build that conversation afterwards after they're regulated? Like, what can we learn from this? Like, what could you do better? What, how can we learn from our mistakes? That whole kind of connection and conversation that happens after the meltdown. That makes so much sense. And I'm also thinking that if you have a child where you're building this in as a really routine practice, that you're practicing things when they're in a really positive state of mind, that they are going to get this positive reinforcement that when you suggest things in more tenuous times, they're going to have a positive association. And so 
they're not going to view this as like, oh, I, this is the thing I have to do every time I get angry. Instead, they're like, oh, this is something that makes me feel good every day. And it might also help me now in this really hard minute, moment. Yes, exactly. And the way that I also do it is I make it language that is not threatening. So just like for example of like the steer your ship, like for a parent, like, like, okay, when their child is feeling angry, it's like, oh, I noticed that you're visiting anger island. That is a non-threatening way of being able to recognize what emotion that they're feeling without a way that's shaming, without a way that it's like, you know, it's like, okay, so what could we do to help you? Like, where do you want to go? Like, what island do you want to visit? And so it's like, okay, I want to go to happy island or I want to go to peaceful island. And this is what these exercises, when you incorporate them during playtime or you incorporate them at nighttime, they get comfortable with the language of it so that even in the heat of the moment when you're, I know I've been there where I'm like, okay, what do I say in this moment? Because like, I'm kind of feeling agitated and triggered. So I could, if I say the wrong thing, it could come out in a weird way, like in a way that it's triggering. So this gives me a language, at least I feel like it's non-threatening. And so I feel like even when I'm triggered that I'm not using language that's going to be attacking to my son. And so that's another big aspect. And another, like another way is like it gives us boundaries as well. So there's another exercise, which is a foundational one called yummy yucky. And it, that teaches the different stress types and like what, how to recognize them and the right breathing exercise. So for example, anxiety is like, you know, it's your head engine, your head engine is loud, like a howling hurricane wind. So when I'm feeling anxious and my son is like being loud, I'd be like, Ayan, you know, mommy's head engine is spinning really, really fast right now. So when you're talking loud, it makes it spin too much. So could you mind just like toning it down a little bit? And he recognizes that. So he knows that, okay, that's anxiety. And it's not like the fighting back. So I really recommend that as well of like using it for yourself to explain to your children when you're feeling stress, but don't feel, you know, you don't have to feel guilty about it, you know? Yeah, I'm totally laughing because in quarantine, one of the things we've noticed is our child talks a lot and he talks really loud. And we like, and I am constantly telling my husband, I'm like, we can't just like constantly be like, you need to be quiet. You need to be quiet. You need to be quiet. But we'd find ourselves like a few times a day being like, Vinny, volume. And to him, that's like not, that's not therapeutic. But we just like, we get to a point, and I think that we both do this where, we try to make space for the volume and we're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. We're just telling ourselves in our head, like, it's okay. And then we have this threshold where we're like, oh my gosh, I can't anymore. And your language around that is so much more positive and impactful than just Vinny, volume. Yeah. <laughs> we have that too. It's like the volume. Could you, you're on volume five. Could you go to like, just make it to volume two? I totally feel you. <laughs> and we only have one. We're like, are we super sensitive people? Like, I don't know how people do this with three kids because we can hardly do it with one. It's so loud. I know. It is. And we and just recognizing, right? Like, I think it's okay. Like when it's loud for us, like, you know, we need the volume down a little bit. It's okay. I want to talk a little bit about hard feelings and encouraging or that, and you mentioned this at the very beginning, that we need to let our kids sit in discomfort and sit in uncomfortable feelings. And you specifically talked about letting your kids be unhappy. And so why do you want children to learn how to be unhappy? I think because it's a natural part of life, right? Like feelings of disappointment and sadness and anger are a realm of being a human being. And so yes, they're not comfortable. It's not pleasant. However, I think that when we get comfortable of learning how to navigate them, 
then that's what taps us into this ability of anything can be thrown at us in life. And life is going to show up with a lot of unexpected situations. But I feel confident in myself that I have the tools that I can ride through anything. I have the ability to believe that I'm safe. Everything will be okay. I have the ability to learn from my mistakes and be like, even though that I failed this time, how do we build growth mindset, right? Like, it's like, I can do this. You know, what can I learn from this? Uh, What can I do better? Do I need to apologize? I think these are all wonderful lessons. And you only learn those lessons when you fall short or when things don't go your way. And that's a natural part of life, right? I think that's what we need to let children know that, yes, life is like a magical mystery. You know, it's a mystery book. It's that you don't know what the ending is going to be. And there's going to be twists and turns along the way. And there's going to be big feelings. You're going to visit many different islands of feelings. Maybe in a given day, you're going to visit many different islands. But you have the ability to ride through anything. And these are the tools that are going to help you ride through these bigger, big feelings like jealousy and impatience and disappointment. And so I really, for me, like specifically in my book, I geared every like most common emotion that a child or a human being experiences, to be honest, and have the right like reset tool around that to build like awareness, mindful conversation, mindful awareness, and then like the tools to help you ride through that energetically and emotionally. I love it so much. And I know probably because partly because I have an only child that the desire to like not let your child be uncomfortable (laughs) for a moment is strong. I think when you have multiple kids, like your attention just has to be divided where you're like, well, someone has to be, you know, someone's just gonna have to be miserable for a minute because I have to tend to the other children. But with just one child, it's really easy to rescue your kid all the time. (laughs) And I have to be really conscientious around like, no, like you can be uncomfortable for a minute. You can be angry. You can be unhappy. You can be disappointed. You can be sad. And as a like control freak, perfectionistic kind of person, I want to like run in and be like, no, but it's okay. I can help you and fix it. And no, I have to like really hold myself back. So I really appreciate that reminder. I think that's really important for our kids to be able to have those hard feelings in order to build resilience and trust in their own coping skills later in life as well. I want you to tell us how can the book, so the book is it's geared toward children, but can it also help parents learn to meditate and learn to process feelings and emotions? Yeah, so I really made it so that it could be a family meditation guide. And the way that I did it is that all these tools are rooted in ancient yogic and Ayurvedic wisdom. It's just however, it's translated in a way that's playful and easy for kids to understand. But I'll be very honest with you, like I've learned it the traditional way, and then I've translated it in the kid friendly way. And even in the midst of the moment when something is happening for me, like when I'm feeling angry, I'm like, Oh, I got to do sipping strawberry smoothie breath. Or when I'm feeling anxious, I have to do windy. It's just much easier to remember when it's quippy and fun and it feels less daunting. So honestly, this book is very much a guide and it's like the easiest primer for parents to learn energy and emotion management, as well as like the meditation, some really foundational meditations that will actually help clear out your subconscious. They're rooted, like most of the meditations are, you know, either like the loving kindness or they're like Kundalini meditations that are translated. But 
Yeah. And in each exercise, I actually on the bottom of the page, I have used this time in when and why this works. And I really gear that towards parents to also understand like, when do I use this exercise for myself? But also as your child gets older and they can read themselves, they'll have the awareness too of like, how is this scientifically kind of helping me? And why am I doing this exercise? Yeah, I love that. I think that's so helpful and so important. I also like the idea that, you know, if it's geared towards kids, things are oftentimes a little more simple. And I think sometimes we make things really big in our own heads and harder than they need to be. So being able to take simple concepts and integrate them, I think bring helps us shed some barriers around integration. Oh, I, I agree. We as grownups make things much more complicated than they need to be. <laughs> and I think that's, I mean, to be honest, again, type A perfectionist person here, one of the biggest things that has held me back from meditation, and I've integrated meditation in different ways over the past few years and overcome a lot of this. But for a long time, I was like, well, I can't sit still with my eyes closed for 30 minutes. Like, that's not possible. Because the story that I told myself and the barrier that I had up was like, well, it has to be 30 minutes. I have to be like sitting cross-legged. I have to have my eyes closed. Like, there was all these things that I thought were true that weren't true. To your point, like one to three minutes can be beneficial and you don't have to sit in an uncomfortable position. Absolutely. And you know what I find? Like, so if anybody's listening and they're like, what's Kundalini? So Kundalini yoga and meditation is more of like an active and kind of like meditative way of practicing. And what I found fascinating when I was practicing or like before I actually did my teacher training is that many of the meditations are actually active. So you're moving your body, your eyes may, sometimes your eyes are closed, sometimes your eyes are open. So meditation, like we have to kind of break through of this like idea of it only like where we talked about this whole passive meditation. That's the only way meditation could work because that's not true. And, you know, depending on like every single day, our mood and our energy is different and the emotions that we feel are different. So Some days, yes, like, and if you ask me someone who's 10 years into meditation, some days, yes, it's available for me to be sitting still and quiet with my eyes closed. Some days I want an active meditation because I have a lot of pent up energy within me. So to me to sit still, that would just not be available to me at that moment. So I think I just wanted to share that to like kind of break through some misconceptions that we have of like what meditation looks like. And honestly, meditation can look like practice can look different day to day. It doesn't have to be one thing, the same amount of minutes, the same time of day. I think we have to kind of break through that rigidity. It's so funny. Yes, the rigidity is like <laughs> what I, anytime I start something new, I'm like, but this is how it has to be done every single day in this exact same way for the rest of my life. And then you're like, well, I never want to start any of these things because there's nothing that I want to do the same way every day for the rest of my life. You're right. That's I like that too. <laughs> so funny. Okay. So what do we do if we have kids who are resistant to trying meditation? Do you have any tips on that? I know if I get my kid on a good day, this could be something he's all in on. But on a not so great day, I don't imagine he would want to have anything to do with meditation. Yeah, you know, that's so I'll be really honest, and I'm not trying to plug it in any way. But I really that's why I created the book, because it's engaging. It's playful. It's not, you know, even for children, right? Like, it's not daunting. And, you know, many of us have not learned this as children. But I'm actually very surprised a lot of interviews that I've been on. A lot of people said that yes, they did learn this when they were younger. However, it was 
introduced to them in a way that was so stiff, kind of like how we as adults get exposed to it. It was not in a kid-friendly, engaging and understanding way. So this book really bridges the gap of like how to make it playful. And yes, you never want to force them, you know, like you never want to force them to do it. However, I always invite children like, you know, depending on their age, this book is geared for children four to eight, but you could start trickling it in, you know, when they're two and three, some of the active breathing, you can start trickling in some of that. I always like one which suggests that you invite them to like see the book. And once they like engage with it, it's very playful. And they're not even going to really know that they're learning the foundations of meditation, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You always want to try to, you know, build it when they're in a good mood, that they're playful. And I always suggest too, like if the book feels daunting, like you look at the exercises and you skim through that, you don't have to read it. Like step one is this, step two is this. You can incorporate it to play. And like you said, like if they're breathing with their hands up and down, like you can make it into a game. That's what we do. Like you're pretending you're like, you're a frog or you're, you know, a shark or a dolphin or something. And you're like taking a deep breath in and out. That's how you build it into playtime. Right. I love it. So I'm actually thinking, so first of all, I'm 100% getting this book. I'm so excited about it. I've been the whole time you're talking, I'm like, I can't wait because this will be perfect for my son. And especially with some coping things that we're having around this specific phase in life and him having to be isolated as an only child and just with his parents, which poor child. But so I'm going to get the book. One of the things that just came to mind as we integrate out of our school year and into summer, something that I have been really thinking about is I don't want to have like no structure this summer. So it actually, there's a couple things I was like every day, I want him to be able to like do a little bit of reading, a little bit of writing, a little bit of math, like just a couple things. This is actually another thing that we could do. He spends time with me every morning during my morning routine, which is me to like doing a little bit of journaling and reading. And this is something we could incorporate as our summer morning routine, where we're not like waiting for a meltdown and then pulling out the book. Instead, we're proactively like just going through activities in the book as a something that we do to kick off the day. Yes, that's what I do. It's you're brushing your brain, right? Like you're teaching, you're like, and you you explain it to them like that, too. It's like, you know, like, but yeah, that's exactly what we do with my son. We do it in the morning, because he typically likes to do like a workout with me and we do it. And then some mornings, we're just rushing, right? And so it's like, oh, we for and he'll remind me, he's like, Mommy, we forgot to brush our brain in the morning. So we got to do it. So it, it really quickly becomes something that's fun for them to do. So that will be great if you do that with him. So good. Oh, I'm super excited. Oh, this has been so fun. I'm so grateful for your time. And I feel like we've overcome some misconceptions around meditation, especially as it relates to kids. I also feel like you've given us a ton of ideas that we can integrate. So I want people to go check out the book for sure. Before you tell us where we can get the book and all the things I want you to share with us, how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? So for me, it's really owning all my feelings. And I share that because and specifically the feelings of impatience and anger, because and I tell you why I'll give you a little bit of backstory, because I think like when you're on a spiritual journey, it's almost kind of looked at like, oh, like, you know, you have to be able to control your anger and you should always be patient. And, you know, you almost feel bad when you feel like that way. And so for me, this pandemic has really been like when I feel angry, I will now be like, you know, I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling angry. And it's actually very therapeutic to be able to say it out loud. And I notice that I don't lose it completely. <laughs> right. But I'm able to to just be like, okay, this is the energy that I'm feeling. And then I'll be able to attune and do the tools. So that's been my moment of just being shamelessly unapologetic. 
I love it. I love the idea also of like embracing uncomfortable feelings. (laughs) So powerful. All right. So tell us where we can find the book, connect with you, all the goodies. My, the book, you can buy it anywhere that you buy books. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, you can get it anywhere. You could go to the book website, which is meditationforkidsbook.com. I actually have some great resources to help support you. I've been doing live virtual Zoom trainings because of the whole pandemic, but they've been so successful. I actually train you how to use the book and how to build a practice so that you really feel confident how to use the book with your kids. So there's information about new upcoming live trainings on there. And then if you can't come for a live training, I actually have a supplemental online course called the Meditation for Kids Masterclass, where you can actually get my step-by-step roadmap in small videos so you can know how to teach your kids meditation without any confusion. I'm big on Instagram, so you can find me at Thajal V Patel. And I always share simple little videos of my son and I meditating or my husband and I meditating. And I have a podcast called the Time and Talks podcast. So you could definitely check that out. My son is also makes cameo appearances on that. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so I'm going to link up all of these links over in our show notes. So people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Thajal, and we will make sure that everything linked up there for people. I'm going to go grab the book right now. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was amazing. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and 
I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 